0: The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sistina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today.
1: I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried.
0: How am I going to afford taking care of my parents?
1: When's a good time to get into the market?
0: I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security.
1: I wonder if I have enough insurance.
0: I wonder when I can retire it's time to talk about your money managing to be wealthy our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever our resident hosts of john e sistina and company are on deck to show you the way
1: Thank you for joining the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast, where we bring the topics to help you do things better. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett. Joining me today are certified financial planners, Craig Konstantinovich and Cole Hammack. Hey, guys. How are hey. you doing today? It's good to So far, you. so good. Glad we're back. Getting into it today. Today's topic is safeguarding your future, long-term care, and disability insurance essentials. Cool. Uh, this is, to me, a, a non-CFP, one of those topics that is difficult to um, process all of the different veins th- and directions that it goes. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I cannot be alone in feeling that way. So I hope, nope. I hope we can help people understand how important it is. I've certainly learned that by working here. Um, a little bit, a little bit different than normal insurance. So we're, gonna, we're kinda going to kind of go into the, the, the attack brass tax, I guess is the way they say it. Brass tax. Brass
0: tax. Brass yes. tax. Let's do it.
1: Yep. Okay. Uh, big agenda, so let's get into it. We want to help people understand long-term care needs, and I want to kind of delve into the nuances. So uh, let's talk about um, the different kinds of long-term care needs, right? Long-term care. Sure.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I can lead with that one. Yeah. And essentially the idea is everyone needs some form of long-term care. It's just whether or not that's insurance. right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of the conversation today, and that's something I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit more depth. But the idea is everyone's getting older. For the most part, everyone's maybe getting a little bit less healthy every year. Don't, don't look at me like that. You're not getting older, Tracy. You're still in your 30s. I don't care what anybody says.
1: All
2: right, all right. But we're all getting older. So the idea is we need to start <clears throat> thinking about what does that future look like? Even something as simple as, is my home suitable for my aged years? Do I have too many stairs? Is my uh, main bedroom laundry kind of upstairs? Do I need to go into the basement for laundry? So thinking about that just from a practical standpoint is really where you should start. And then everything else comes next.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, to Cole's point, you know, we all have different kind of long-term care needs. So, mm-hmm. you know, usually what you look at first is what activities of daily living can you no longer fulfill or which ones are things that you can still do. So whether that be bathing, toileting, transferring, um, cognitive capabilities. Cole, round out the last six for me or the last two <laughs> here for me, please. Oh, I, I love it. So th- there's actually a mnemonic for this one, so I can't just rattle, oh, okay. I can't
2: fill in the blanks, I have to do all of them, it's the only <laughs> way to do it. Uh, so Fair enough. The, the mnemonic, it's called a bed to chair, B-E-D-T-C, to remember that this six, so the, don't look at my hands, Trace, I need my hands. <laughs> I need them. Uh, so <laughs> the B is bathing. You need to be able to bathe yourself. There you go. The E is eating. So it's not can you make food, but can you actually eat that food? You know what? That's actually perfect. That rounds out all six. I did it. <laughs> Look at that. But anyway, the others are <laughs> dressing, toileting, continence, and then bed two chairs in action is transfer is mm-hmm. the sixth one.
0: So that's your, your six activities of daily living. So why those are so important is because that starts to evaluate, do you need outside assistance in order to completely take care of yourself? If all of a sudden you lose the ability to perform some of those activities of daily living, now we start talking about, do you need to have someone come into the home? Do you need to go to a facility? If so, what kind of impairments do you need to make sure are protected at those facilities? I'm sure that's something we're going to dive a lot further into here, but just kind of generally speaking, it starts out with, can I take care of myself in the environment that I'm in? Do I need to make amendments or adjustments to my current living arrangements to make it more suitable? But then ultimately it comes back to, all right, well, what else is there that may prompt me to say, do I need to change my living location or do I need to start considering a facility?
2: I think what helps too is usually when you're in the age where you start thinking about that you've probably already seen parents go through exactly that. Oh, absolutely. So it's obviously not a perfect indicator, but starting to think about what your genetic predispositions are for those sorts of needs, very helpful.
0: Yep, and some people know it right off the bat. Oh, I had three grandparents that went into a nursing facility. I'm probably going to be there at some point Mm -hmm. in time. That's a very real conversation. That's a very real consideration. Then there's the other pieces of, you know, most people say, absolutely not, I don't want to go into a facility But then sometimes, for one reason or another, the family has to make that decision for them. So the more that we can talk about it in advance, when when we're healthy, when we're not on the precipice of that potential need, a lot smoother that conversation can be and a lot smoother that transition can go.
1: Yeah, we'll get into all that a little (laughs) bit uh, more detail later. But let's talk about first the the types of long-term. I mean, you've given a really good explanation of what long-term care is. Um, Let's talk about just... um, what kinds? What different kinds there are? You can yeah. list those.
0: Yeah. So there's basically, you know, the three in my mind, and Cole again, feel free to add in. But sure, it's the same three. I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously caring for yourself. That that's the most predominant, the most ideal. There is um, someone coming into the home, so actually having a trained and educated individual on how to take care of you in place, and then the third option is going into a facility. So with once you get to that facility, then there's different options, like there may be assisted living, mm-hmm. where you have basically a nurse that comes in periodically, but you're not necessarily focused on 100% of the time, because for the most part, you can take care of yourself. You may need help with certain activities, and they'll be there to help you with that, but they're not going to be there 24-7, 365 to make sure that everything's still going smooth. Yeah, I think a a
2: very recent kind of extension or an improvement to that is a continued care community. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of people, usually they're they're age 55 or so and older, but the idea is you go in there while you're healthy, you get your own unit or your own home, own condo kind of thing, and then you kind of age in place in that area. But as your need for care increases, they'll transfer you to different units within that community. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a neat way that you can maybe prepay for some of those future Mm -hmm. care needs while still being in a community of similarly aged individuals and kind of have the uh, access to community, friends, all that fun stuff.
0: And that's, that's the other big piece before you jump on uh, Tracy, but that's the other big piece is a lot of times we hear about it. And yes, there's obviously significant financial ramifications of these decisions, but the other big piece is you hear it all the time. Most people say the last thing that they want to do is create change. So to that continuance Mm -hmm. of care, now you're basically familiar with what's going on. You're familiar with where you're at. You have a good lay of the land. So it may not be a financial planning consideration, but it is a planning consideration for if that's what we're going to be most comfortable with, maybe we should consider that sooner rather than later.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are communities that I believe that start with independent. They have branches, so independent exactly. living. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Independent living, then mm-hmm. assisted
1: living, and they have different you know, condo living on, on, the, on campus. So you literally pace yourself through that yeah. track right
2: yeah it's mm-hmm. exactly which I'm sure for a lot of people sounds attractive mm-hmm. but it's it's exactly Craig to your point it's not cheap mm-hmm. so if that's something you're interested in something they need to start planning for early because uh, there's the the initial costs and then ongoing costs involved as well
1: and I don't want to get too deep into the cost and weren't that's right. that's not our expertise you know, all but so. um we can we i don't want to get into that actually at all but is there a best practice to kind of determine the affordability of the options based on your financial situation I mean, or like a, a a best age or a best practice to start thinking about so it
0: so your overall need for care you should be planning about that very early on i mean we're talking to people whether they're 20 years old about it or whether they're 80 years old about it The sooner you can start talking about what your preferred option is, the sooner we can start crafting your plan to accommodate that. But life doesn't always work out in the ideals. And so to really address that, you got to be thinking about and also keeping an open mind to, okay, well, where is it that I want to go? But if you want to specifically start making sure that you've got an insurance product that can help out with this, then absolutely you need to be thinking about that well before you get to age What, usually 70 is what they say?
2: Yeah, it's traditionally the cutoff, right? Uh, So to that point, if we're leaning toward the long-term care insurance piece, so something to come in and help offset a lot of those costs, because they are expensive, Mm -hmm. both the insurance but also the costs. So it just comes down to where your comfort is, but... We've spoken with long-term care insurance experts in the past. We've had them as part of our staff meetings. And uh, essentially, the kind of consensus is usually low to mid-50s is when you should start entertaining a long-term care insurance policy, if that's something that
0: you would feel comfortable with. And the look of fear, for those that can't see, just struck Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) You have 20-odd more years, Tracy. Don't worry about it.
2: No
1: comment. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if this is a question for an agent or for you guys. Let's give it a shot. Are there coverage options that can help mitigate the costs of long-term care?
2: I I can think of one in particular. Uh, So long-term care insurance policies oftentimes are set for one specific need. Uh, So specifically, maybe it's just for in-home care or just for nursing home care. But the idea is we never know what sort of care we're going to need until we're actually there. So in my mind, if we're thinking about mitigating, we're paying a little bit more in terms of premiums. But if it's a policy that we would feel comfortable having, I'd be inclined to have it cover all the care levels. Because if you have it just marked for nursing home, but you get to your 80s and you don't want to leave the home, you're not going to see a dime of benefit for that policy that you've been paying into for the last 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. So you just need to keep that in mind. What does this actually cover? And I would say the broader, the better.
0: And, and that's where, too, the industry of long-term care insurance has taken such a big shift, especially over the last decade. You know, you, you hear the horror stories, and they are true. There used to be a lot of insurance companies that were offering long-term care. We're now essentially down to about six predominant players in the long-term care insurance industry for traditional, idealistic, long-term care coverage. And they're a lot worse than they used to be. They are a lot worse. They offer a lot less benefit. Mm -hmm. There's usually a restriction on how long they'll pay out for. There's a lot of kind of gotchas that come along to it. Yeah, we'll
1: get to that. Well, perfect. But
0: but, but, last piece then, before we get to that then, the other piece is as as a response to that, there are now new options that marry traditional insurance products like life insurance, like an annuity that can also offer long-term care benefits. That's something I'm sure we can talk about in much greater detail, probably devote an entire show to it, but that is something that's out there right now.
1: What should people be asking the specialist, the insurance agent, about uh, what type of long-term care they need? What kind of questions should they ask first?
0: I mean, biggest thing is Cole's point. What are the definitions? What is it going to provide coverage for? I mean, Mm -hmm. most of the policies right now are going to be limited to either in-home care, nursing facility, or something of the like, and you're not going to have it be as robust. The other piece is understanding, well, how how does my actual benefit adjust? Because normally when you lock in these policies, they, a good one. they give yeah. you just a flat daily rate that it will pay out in the event of a claim. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think we've all seen it, especially here recently, inflation's a real thing. So $250 of a daily benefit today is going to be peanuts in 20 years. So understand what that true benefit is and how that works because... If you're going to be sitting there paying significant monies for this kind of a policy, now all of a sudden we may be looking at it and saying, I paid all of this and I'm getting very minimal return on it at that point.
1: How easy is it to convince somebody in their 20s or 30s to open or start a policy Uh, at that stage of their life because it's so much less expensive than, say, somebody who's much older needing a policy?
2: That's a fantastic question because I'll tell you right now, it's probably the most difficult thing in the world.
1: I would imagine. (laughs) Which I
2: I think is okay because when you're so young, and I hope this is a really good segue for what we're thinking next, but – Disability insurance is far more important during those younger years. want to protect mm-hmm. what we're earning, That protect that income piece, than thinking about something that's going to be happening maybe in 50 years and 60 years.
0: And that's the, the double-edged sword that we have because now you you talk to those 20 and 30-year-olds and we're advocating start planning for retirement, start planning for retirement. Well, that's 30 years out. Right. I need to live for sure. today, in the too. Sky. So it's, it's one Find of those balance. things where, you know, yes, Essentially, as we like to say, long-term care insurance is almost a supplemental disability policy for retirement lifestyle. Whereas disability, we've got to accumulate the monies first. Long-term care ensures that we keep those monies in our pocket.
1: Okay. Let's talk about the differences between short-term and long-term disability. We're going to juke away from long-term care. So um, we got a lot to cover. Let's let's just very briefly explain to people what the difference is.
2: Yeah, uh, So it's exactly that. Short-term is short term, uh, but generally that short term is defined as 90 days, maybe as long as 180 days of your uh, current income. Sometimes it may be as much as 100% of your pre-disability earnings, sometimes a little bit lower, like a 60, 70, 80% of your pre-disability
0: earnings, but it's on a very short scale. Yep, mm-hmm. And then long-term, you take it a step further, and it's something that would extend beyond that six-month time period. Yeah, but generally speaking, usually
2: it cuts off 65, sometimes a little bit longer, 66, 67.
1: You just answered my question. I was going to yes. ask what this, what the industry standard, <laughs> a, what the industry average looks like,
0: yeah. six those, time frames. Nine yeah. times out of 10, it's probably 65. And those those aren't just imaginary picked-out-of-the-sky numbers. There's a very concise reason why that is, and that's usually, as you start looking at it, If you're paying into Social Security, you can be eligible for Social Security disability benefits. Those usually turn off once you reach Medicare eligibility at age 65, but they could extend as far out as age 67, Mm -hmm. which is presently the Social Security retirement age. So you switch from one system payout Mm -hmm. with Social Security from the disability side and now then you would be eligible for the retirement side.
1: So that's a good question for the agent, too, as, mm-hmm. you're, as you're navigating. Okay, mm-hmm. assessing personal needs and risks. So I want to encourage everybody to take a look at what you need um, and what risks you might have regarding your disability insurance. Uh, we need to think about a few things. So let me just ask, does occupation impact that need?
2: <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Uh, for, Absolutely. For, for a couple of reasons, like how likely you are to actually <laughs> qualify for it but also how much it's going to cost you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more you engage in particularly risky activities or if you fly a lot for work, for example, your need is probably going to be higher, but your premium in turn will also be higher. Whereas we sit in a chair most of the day. (laughs) (laughs) yep, (laughs) In the air conditioning here, protected by a roof, our need is still high, but hopefully our likelihood of becoming disabled is lower. Meaning, our disability insurance premiums are oftentimes lower as well. So it's all very much uh, interwoven. Mm-hmm.
1: What is the agent? Do you know what the questions are to ask the agent as far as um, assessing what your needs are? Yeah,
0: I mean, end? to a certain ex- first and foremost, Tracy, there's usually not agents that are out there. That's I, I would say probably about eighty percent of people they think they have coverage through work but they've never looked at the policy. They don't know the details. You're talking
1: about employer policies. Employer-provided policies, yep.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. But more times than not, we have in our first series of meetings to get people up and running, we have to talk about getting additional disability insurance. Most people don't have it, and most people are either unwilling or uneducated on what it actually protects. Mm -hmm. So normally, if you're looking at it, the employer-provided policy is the only benefit that you have – Most people read the little snippet that they get when they're enrolling in benefits. That's it. Mm -hmm. So more times than not, as we start to look at it, that's one of the first big areas that we see, and especially for people that are relying upon either one income in the household, for people that are still very young. We have that very real conversation of your employer policy isn't going to cut it. And if you tend to transition jobs or go to different places, you're going to lose that coverage as soon as you jump ship from that employer. So to really have that conversation about getting a disability policy personally, that's one of the more difficult conversations we have to get things started. Because people hear about life insurance. People are starting to get very quickly familiar with long-term care insurance. But not many people focus or or know much about disability insurance. So that's where we come in first is let's educate you on what you have and why you need more.
2: Uh, That's such a good point because the most egregious one I've seen, I'm thinking of someone who makes like three quarters of a million dollars a year. So if, if he were to go down, didn't have disability insurance, that would be a huge loss for the household. Mm-hmm. And the Social Security
0: disability <laughs> isn't going to pay out anywhere it's, close it's to not, that.
2: It's not. And his workplace policy offered a grand a month. He's making three quarters of a million dollars a year. If he becomes disabled, he'll make $12,000 a year.
1: So it's worth the investment to look into it for somebody? It's
0: absolutely. Every penny.
1: What's the point of it? Let's, what's a hybrid policy? Let's, let's explain what that is somebody were to have a hybrid policy.
0: A hybrid policy for disability insurance? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that
1: like part employer, part personal?
0: No, so I don't know if it's hybrid, I don't know if it's it's maybe diving further into the details here, but usually disability insurance is more so defined by the definition of disability. So normally, either a hybrid or a split definition, and this is what we see a lot of times with employer-provided policies, you are covered if you can't do your job. Mm-hmm. So if we can't be financial planners for one reason or another, whether it be <coughs> due to illness, whether it be to sick, or illness and sickness are the same things, but whether it be to injury, whatever, mm-hmm. if we can't do our job, that's our occupation. We can get a benefit. Now, normally with that split definition, you get that coverage for a certain period of time, normally about two years. Yeah. After that, you transition or you flip to the second half, which is if you can have any gainful occupation or any occupation that you are reasonably trained and educated to complete, we're not going to pay you a benefit. Mm-hmm. So if I can't be a financial planner and I'm not besmudging smudging the career or the job or anything like that, but if I could go instead and I could flip burgers at Burger King, well now all of a sudden my disability policy may not pay me anything because I can go do that. I can go produce an income They don't necessarily care if it's even remotely close to the income that I was previously earning. They just said, hey, you can work. We're not paying you anything.
2: So the the key to that is, again, most workplace policies are like that. Mm -hmm. So they're they're that hybrid definition of disability. So uh, when you're thinking about protecting your household income, protecting that uh, ability to produce it, having that own occupation definition of disability is key, which oftentimes suggests that you should consider a personal policy. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, That's what I'm looking for. Let's give people three questions, three key questions they can ask their agent when they're weighing coverage needs. Uh, Craig, I'll start with you.
0: Uh, So, I mean, in my mind, like I just said, first thing is what's the definition of disability? Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, what riders or what additional benefits are offered? There are things like cost of living adjustment, where if I go down, as we've seen, inflation being a real thing. Does my benefit go up every single year if I'm still out on claim? That's a very important benefit that you want to make sure that you have. So definition of disability would be question one, what is it? Number two, what riders or what other benefits are included in the policy? And then number three, how long am I entitled to this benefit? Those would be the three that I would think of.
2: Honestly, I think the only thing I'd add to that would just be what's the maximum benefit that I'd qualify for Mm -hmm. uh, versus asking them directly like, hey, I want this monthly benefit. Ask them, have them (laughs) spin their wheels, crunch the numbers saying this is what I have. This is as much as I can insure. This is what we can offer you on a supplemental. And then if the premiums are cost prohibitive, you can always work it back from there, but always start with the maximum.
1: And then it sounds like if you decide to go with a particular policy, you you even have to have Plan B once the policy is depleted at a certain point. If you have if you if you have to continue to stay on disability, correct?
0: So the policies normally that you that you lock in what you're looking for, and I guess now that I think about it, I may even change what I'm asking or what I would be phrasing. But there are certain key phrases like guaranteed renewable,
2: which I means as yeah.
0: as long as I'm paying my premium, that policy plate continues to keep my policy in effect, um, non cancelable meaning that the insurance company can't just pull out the rug and say, you know what, Craig, we don't like you today. We're no longer going to issue your policy to you. No, if they were to cancel it, they would have to cancel it for everyone that was deemed to be in the same occupation class as me, meaning they're no longer offering that period. So as you're looking at it, there's not really a depletion payout for disability. Unlike long-term care, where there is a maximum benefit that you're going to be eligible for, with disability, it's you get this level of income until the policy ends. So it's a little bit different. And then you have to know what to
1: do after that, right? And that's where the financial planner comes into play. Correct.
0: That that or Social Security or or whatever else, because the other big misnomer out there is, Mm -hmm. and again, I know we dove right into employer and personal policies, but Social Security disability income is one thing that people – know about, they know that it's out there. One of the biggest misnomers is that it's very easy to get. It's not. There are multiple people that I've worked with over the years that have had to file four, five, six different times. And in order to still have that application be processed, you can't earn any income. So you think about it. There are people that have significantly set back their financial livelihood because they had to not re- bring in income to get eligible for Social Security disability.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not CPAs, but can you think of a scenario where there may be tax advantages associated with long-term care and disability?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, so with, uh, lo- we'll start with long-term disability because that one's, that one's actually pretty unique. Uh, so the idea being is how you pay those premiums determines what sort of tax impact the payouts have. Uh, so what I mean by that is if the employer is paying for the premiums, which most employers do, because that's a, a tax deduction for them, that's an expense at their level, or if you're paying for those premiums on a pre-tax basis, if you become disabled, any benefits you receive are taxable income to you.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're paying
2: taxes on that money.
0: So you're getting 60% of your income, and then you're getting whacked with taxes on top of that. Mm-hmm. So now you're down to 45% of your pre-disability earnings. And
2: the alternative being if you're paying for the premiums on a post-tax basis, which you would do with a personal policy anyway, but if there's a workplace policy that lets you do that, then any benefit payable to you would be tax-free, mm-hmm. which is an absolute home run in that uh, scenario and worth every penny. How do you really learn
1: is? which ones are and which ones aren't?
2: Work with a professional. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Nice plug. Or Ask HR. It also works, but work with a professional. Yeah. That
0: that or if you really want to go about it yourself, you can usually decipher it by looking at your pay stub and seeing where that disability line item is, but also pay attention when you're in your open enrollment period. Some employers have now actually given you the option. How do you want to pay that policy premium? Do you want it to be on a pre or a post-tax basis? And if they don't, Ask the question to HR yep.
2: every year until they let you do that. <laughs> We've had a few instances where they finally budged. Uh, the company finally budged and made it so that employees can't elect to pay their premiums on a post-tax basis. Mm-hmm.
0: But the other piece, too, is you mentioned disability, so Cole's spot on with that. Long-term care insurance, this is where there, there is some, um, again, potential tax benefits. Mm-hmm. So if you itemize your tax deductions... So most people know the standard deduction. Some people refer to it as the minimum deduction. If you're utilizing that, this doesn't apply. But if you are able to itemize your deductions and include some of those more tax-favorable expenses, some of your long-term care premiums could actually become a tax-deductible expense. Again, you got to review it with the CPA. You got to make sure you have a good understanding of it. But there could be some tax deductibility for the premium payments. And then when you actually receive the benefits, there's no tax implications there.
1: Great. Uh, We could go on and on, I think, on this this topic. So Uh, much to cover. This is where the financial planner comes into play um, to be able to help you navigate through some additional questions, you know, estate planning, legacy preservation we could go on and on like i said so the takeaway here is to stay informed stay proactive and that will ensure your financial well-being for the long haul with long-term care and disability insurance it's really doesn't seem like it's about protecting the finances right it's more about you know that you can close your eyes at night
0: mm-hmm. and all of the uh, above protect your loved Definitely. ones
1: if you need help with your financial planning call us for a complimentary consultation with one of our certified financial planners Uh, Stay tuned for more financial tips in our next episode. We are managing to be wealthy.
0: That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. To schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns, visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.